This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. To the highway, in a brand new day, gotta let it go. Gate for May 17th, 2022. We are members of the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. You can find us on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast feed or our own dedicated podcast feed on all podcast platforms and applications. You can follow us on Twitter at Open Voice Gate. If you'd like to donate to the show, click the link in the show notes. It'll take you to our redcircle.com landing site. You click the red box that says sponsor this podcast, and you can set up a one-time or reoccurring donation. I'm one of your hosts. It's your old pal. I'm Mike Spears. Join alongside your other host, Case Low. In case, man, we are in the thick of King of Gate. It is, of course, Lech Barrison presents 2022 King of Gate to decide Dragon Gate's number one championship. And boy, this has been a exciting and everyone is wrong this year. Everyone's predictions have gone to hell very quickly. And I love that. How are you doing, bud? I, you know... I hear a little bit of pep in your step. There's some excitement in your voice that King of Gate season has really gotten to you. You are thrilled to introduce this episode, and I don't blame you. Obviously, of course, um, I predicted two different draws in the first round. I did predict the Open the Dream Gate champion losing in 39 seconds, and my bracket is not busted. My bracket is perfect. Anybody that listens to the show knows that, uh, you know, Summer of Ata was never meant to be. Uh, you know what a rookie's gonna win matches no they're gonna get a 15 minute time limit draw so a lot of people expose themselves no of course i'm stunned by the the turn of events uh this is one of the most bizarre opening rounds to a tournament that i've ever seen as i pointed out on twitter i think it's only going to get weirder like i can't fathom what the second and third rounds of this tournament are going to look like because the first round has been so damn weird. But it's been weird in a way that I would say that, yeah, it feels bizarre, but it feels bizarre in the Twin Peaks kind of way, where it's just things aren't lining up the way they are. It's kind of we're working in a world of magical realism where we will have a double count at 14.59 perfectly done. And and you, you see this in the main event. You go like, yeah, no, the, the, of course that happens. I should have known that Hio was going to do this. Well, that's, so, I, I, that's exactly the thing. And I, I saw somebody... I don't remember where it was. I don't remember who it was. I'm not picking on them. But somebody described this tournament as being very Rossi-brained. And, of course, if you've listened to the show, you know that Mike and I are very harsh critics of the Stardom brand and especially their booking. Have I ever sat down and watched a Stardom show from start to finish? No, I have not. I certainly don't see that in the cards anytime soon. But Mike knows what he's talking about, and I trust his opinion on a lot of this stuff. But 
with the results that we've seen, and and although we're mainly here to talk about Kobe today, I will throw that Kai Shuji Kondo match into the mix just because I think there's an opportunity for people who aren't as plugged into the promotion to go like, oh, LOL, you know, gimmick booking. Oh, you know, this, you know, Genki Horiguchi brain strikes again. There's logic and reasoning behind the three shocking results here. The quick match with Kai and Kondo, I explained last week, perfectly executed in a way that gets the Dreamgate champion out of the tournament, but doesn't ruin that big, dramatic pop that we're going to get when Kai eventually loses a long, drawn-out match. And then you have in Kobe here, and for anybody that hasn't watched the shows that doesn't know what we're talking about, the 15-minute time limit draw between Ishidihashi and Takuma Fujiwara, which took me by surprise because I really thought this was going to be the opportunity to get one of these guys their first big singles match win, and then the double countout with Hyo and Dragon Daya. Both of those matches are rooted in current storylines. We haven't seen either of these rookies win a match, and I really, I mean, I am so much more shocked at the rookie time limit draw than I am Hyo Dragon Kid, I or Dragon Dyer, rather. I really thought this was going to be the launching pad for Takuma Fujiwara to get a win. So now we can see him, hey, he'll score a roll-up win here. Hey, he'll get a pin here. I thought this was the perfect opportunity. I, I'm okay. I, I trust going forward that they're doing the right thing. I don't know if I love that result. But as we saw all of last year in the case of Hyo versus Dragon Daya, this is Hyo's gimmick. I didn't think they had the guts to do it in the single elimination tur- elimination tournament because last year they did it in block play, but that had reasoning behind it, and it was also perfectly executed. So it's not just throwing stuff against the wall to be different. This is a tournament that uh, I certainly don't know where it's going next, but I'm also not worried about it because all of these steps that have been taken in the opening round have reasoning behind it and it's also super super entertaining i'm glad that people are talking about this there was so much buzz coming out of this kobe show not because of any of the great matches which i thought were there there were a lot of really good to great matches on this show but just like the oh my god what happened to my bracket like what is this tournament and i i enjoyed that i think it's something at least like taking the three matches and we we went over pretty well why everything made sense and why it was so satisfying with Kondo and Kai last Friday. Because, I mean, Kai uh, was getting out by the skin of his teeth. He was resulting to his wiles to win his title matches. Shuji Kondo just ran right through him. Like, you know, I mean, how he, he can't go for the authorized Kanosuke clutch when he's eaten four lariats in 30 seconds and is looking at the ceiling. Whereas, yeah, would I have liked to see either Fujiwara or Ishin get that win and kind of get them a little bit more elevated uh, just up in whatever sort of rankings we're supposed to be doing for this future class at this point. Yeah, sure. But they've made a pretty big point this year that although Fujiwara is the one closest to doing this, none of the rookies can do anything other than beat each other. Like those are all the falls. Like when Fujiwara got into the Brave Gate match, it was because he penned his classmates he's not able to do that yet so would this have been a good point six months in for his career and now eight months in for Ishan for one of them to get a fall yeah but i uh after the tournament we're gonna have a talk about the ahashi brothers i i i want it on a slow week i i want us to really talk this out because i i find it very fascinating like their position right now 
So well, they've they've been in the company since September, and and there's there's a chance we can circle back to this. But I I've been thinking about the same thing. They've been in the company since September, and they don't have a win yet. And I just I don't. I'm having a hard time. The further we get away from their debut, and I feel this way about the remaining members of the class of 2020, uh, 2021 outside of Fujiwara. Cause I think Fujiwara could get a win in Kyoto or Osaka or Kobe or Tokyo. And it's not going to matter when he gets a win, he's going to get a win. But I think about Fuda and I think about the Ahashi brothers. And I just think like, man, when is going to be the right opportunity? Like, do they, do they have to turn? Do they have to change names? Do they have to change presentation? Cause we're so deep, especially with Ricky and Ishan, we're so deep into these careers for them to be presented as personalities, but to not win matches. And I'm struggling with what to do with that. Yeah. And now you have the, the, the facet that the older brothers now lost. Well, I, I mean, I'm not gonna flip through my notebook, but I'm just guessing two months, three months. I don't remember him at champion gate. Like, no, I think he, the the last time that I remember him was Memorial Gate in that five way match. Was he there for right. that? Yeah, yeah, because because Sato wasn't in that, and I guess we can talk about Sato. I, I was planning on talk, I was talking about Sato towards the end of the show. I didn't bring him up until then. But basically, like y- you have this situation with with Ishin where like we're seeing Ishin really grow as a singles wrestler, and Ricky, you know, without him, it's it's such a tandem act that like they have to figure out their way around this because if Riki doesn't come back, then I mean, you've kind of spent like the first six months of Ishan's career doing a, something with his brother. That's not going to pay off, you know? So it, it's something that there still is like a wider discussion about the Hashi brothers, but moving on to Hyo and Daya, I hit myself like I smelt like I popped myself in the face going I should have known that Hio was going to do that like you're right the balls to do this like in a single elimination like uh, just knockout tournament that's bold for them to pull it off there but we kind of should have saw this coming and you know it also gives Daya something to do or an opponent as we lead into Kobe world. Like, I think he probably has one more defense for Kobe world, but you could easily do him versus Hio somewhere and it's fine. So I, I think it worked. Th- that was, that was my thought as well was I can't believe they have the guts to do this in a single elimination tournament. Also, how did Mike and I not think of this? Like this is right. Yeah. Te- this is just textbook dragon gate where, I mean, th- think about, you know, the way we analyze this company. I'm not patting ourselves on the back. I'm really insulting us actually where, you know, for two years, we've been doing this podcast weekly. You and I, in various ways, in, in audio and in written form, have been covering this company for close to a decade. It's just under the Voices of Wrestling banner for almost a decade. And we still will sit down every May, July, August, November, and December when these big five shows happen. And we're going to go, this is going to happen, and this is going to happen, and this is going to happen. And then they come up with a fourth option that we would have never even thought of. And when things are clicking like they are right now, more often than not, it's so much more brilliant than we could have even imagined. And this Yo Daya thing was just executed great. It was so good. And I've watched all of these Kingdom Gate matches unspoiled, which I've really enjoyed. And this was one where, you know, oh, oh, 10 minutes. Okay, 13 minutes, 14 minutes. Oh, my God, they're going to a double count out, aren't they? Oh, my God, they did it. They did the double count out in the first round of a single elimination tournament. This is insane. 
yeah it, it just was like one of those things and like the way that it's like oh dia looks like he's about to like they timed it out like it's something where they've really found a way for Hio. like this has like been like the whole genesis of like his his evolution and like he he's just gonna feed off this again he's ruined another person's tournament for another year they they, they can't stop him at this point no, I mean, this is in the same way that we always talk about, like, okay, you know, Akuda and Ishida are going to be attached at the hip for years and years to come. My guess is this second round match of Shuji Kondo and Jackie Funky Kamei, if that goes the way that I think it's going to, that that becomes a career-long rivalry whenever those two are in the ring. You know, we see it with all of these guys where in one moment they have really their career mapped out when it comes to being in the ring with certain wrestlers. You know, Aton Drang kid, another one. Uh, KZ and Coach Minora, this could very easily become a career-long thing if if that uh, match goes well in Hokkaido this weekend. With Hyo, until the end of time, if they want, he has a King of Gate gimmick that is just as effective as the backslide from heaven or a super finisher or a flash pin that is one guy's titles and championships and tournament in this promotion. He now has a thing and his thing is destructive. His thing is a bracket buster, but he has a thing that he will have for the rest of his career. And I I've mentioned it before. This has been the podcast that has always seen something in him more so than the others around him. I saw him as like a fun underdog baby face that could bounce around the ring and fly off of the bigger opponents and eat a bunch of offense. I did not imagine the big brain and how big that brain could be. And I just, I, I don't know if it's on a personal level or, but just my enjoyment of him when he causes chaos, when he ruins things within the scope of, of Dragon Gate storytelling, I think it is so entertaining. And this match, you know, not to jump ahead, I, I thought we were going to close with this match, but I, I kind of jumped the gun here. But I was so entertained by all of this. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, that's kind of like walking away from the second week of King of Gate. Incredibly entertaining. And I don't feel like I'm completely... Well, the the thing I feel like that was like the hint tricks, like... We all wanted to have all of the block matches. We wanted to watch everything. But house shows and, you know, people taking it easy, that was going to be, like, the other side of the coin. If you see everything, you're going to see when people are like, you know what, this is the first night of three in Hokkaido. I'm taking it easy. I will, well, I, I, I'm going to do my job, and I'm going to do it well, but I'm not going to go for it. I'm not going to do that here. And that would have been the issue, the issue with that. But in a knockout tournament where you see everything there's really no way to hide and we're now 10 matches into the 15 match first round and you know got notebook matches and nothing really i nothing i've walked away going like this this match should never have happened like and that was the thing with when you get to a tournament of the size you you and you have to like pull up people in the roster you don't necessarily trust or you won't necessarily put in the position you open yourself up for that but you know, I mean, we're essentially three shows into King of Gate, and all three of them have been winners. And I, yeah, I completely agree. There's one match that we'll talk about, and I'll, I, I won't hint any further. There was one match that rubbed me the wrong way. Uh, it represented a greater issue, I think, but it was one that I, you know, I, I, I did not like. I rated it very lowly, but I also, on both Cork and Hall with the Yamato versus Yoshioka match, and then one of the matches on Kobe, I went four stars on, and. There's just, we haven't hit that dead weight yet. You know, 
not to pick on specific guys, but we haven't hit, you know, punch Tamanaga versus Yasushi Kanda. You know, there hasn't been Genki Horiguchi versus Takashi Yoshida. I think even Yoshida was set up in a position to win with that Shimizu match, which is unfortunately not going to happen. But the roster is so deep. The talent is there. The guys are young and they want to work hard. You know, obviously it's not block play. There's going to be less matches this year, but it just seems like there's a greater motivation. Maybe I do. Do you feel like the effort is up? I mean, you got to remember, you know, King of Gate 2020 was in front of entirely no fans and it was in Kobe Lapis Hall. So Drangate, you know, in March and April of that year, right when COVID first hit, they had the two shows and Sambo Hall that were really fun. I mean, I still think that first empty arena show, it was surreal. Empty arena wrestling was new to us at the time. And and they put their best foot forward and had the most enjoyable uh, empty arena show. The April show I remember watching and thinking, Oh God, this is not fun anymore. Like this is a real bummer. And they went to Lapis hall for King of gate. And that was a slog of a tournament. I don't think anybody had fun king of gate 2020 2021 supposed to be in cork and hall that opening night it doesn't happen guys get hurt guys get covid throughout the tournament i enjoyed last year's king of gate i i really got invested in the run of kz and the run of menorah but you know it wasn't this tournament feels different do you do you agree with that like it's been a while since we've had a king of gate like this well, I think that, like, set up 32 wrestlers and elimination format, it was something that, like, you you really, like, there are stories you could tell in round-robin tournaments that you can't tell in knockouts. So instead, it's a lot more direct and, and forward. And a lot of, you know, you, you look at, like, the big names in this tournament, you already have Kai's upset, the Dreamgate champions out, Yamato, the ace is out, Ata. The would-be ace is out. Uh, SB Kento, the ace of Next Generation, is out. Those are probably, like, if you were going to go chalk, those would have been your final four coming out of each region, and they're already gone. So it's already changed a tournament in a way that it makes it very exciting to see, like, all right, Shuji Kondo versus Jackie Funky Kamei. Second-round matchup. This could be a 30-second match. Or this could be Jackie Funky Kamei trying to claw back and trying to get the biggest one of his career. Or it could be Kondo running through him in 30 seconds and, you know, just making a, just leaving him as a skid mark on the way to, you know, running through Kinkate. There's just a lot of opportunities here that we did not have this time last week that has made this tournament really exciting. And, uh, and I think to that point, we haven't had stuff like this in a few years. You know, the, the rise of Menorah last year was exciting, but to me, not totally unexpected. I, I knew that they had plans with him. But that that that's exactly it. You know, a match like Kamei versus Kondo is just a fun match. And in 2017 and 2018 and 2019, I don't think the roster was deep enough to have those really fun, unique pairings. And if I were a betting man, we don't have the date and time of that Kamei versus Kondo match yet. But whenever that happens, I think the next week on the show we're going to be dedicating a lot of time to that match because that is a match that is right up our alley. I mean, that is, those are our guys. And I think they're going to have our style of match. I'm really excited for that one. And I think it could hit big. Yeah. So it, it, it's something where I feel like that this tournament 
like talking about like using that matches like that it's unexpected it, it's in a way that we didn't necessarily like i don't know what the road to kobe world is at this point usually in case we have a pretty good feeling on one way or another that like the road to kobe world because you've taken the four most likely winners out of this and bring up your point about menorah do you think that some of like the dampening of the rise of menorah and king gate 2021 was the fact that he was in the block with the COVID positives, so he didn't get those big wins on the buildup. Look, I am 1000% convinced it was supposed to be him versus Doi in Fukuoka, and he was going to beat Doi, and that was going to be the moment where I think people went, Oh, this is a guy. But instead, he had, you're exactly right, he had those points automatically handed to him. But I don't remember when or where his bin match was supposed to be. I just remember it was supposed to be Doi and Fukuoka, and that didn't happen. And so he ended up, you know, getting these points. Now, you know, we were telling people, hey, you know, we think Menorah's going to be the guy here. There were other people going, ah, you know, it might be Ben K, might be so and so, might, you know, might be Doi. I was pretty locked in on that being a big menorah breakout and and I was right and I was stoked to be right, but no, it didn't have, you're exactly right. It didn't have the effect because he didn't wrestle Ben and Doi, which would have been two of the marquee matches in that block. Right. So let's just take someone who would have a similar scenario here. Like, like we're going to pick someone that, you know, age range, you know, experience level on the come up, you know, feels like on the crest. And you look at the brackets here, and there's really out of people that I would view as realistic, like, okay, they're getting behind them at this point. You you, you come to, like, Madoka Kakuda. Like, he's the only person that I look at this right now, and I'm like, all right, Kakuda gets the winner of Doi and Hulk out of Sapporo here. You know, if, if it's Hulk, you pin Hulk with Kakuda. But if you get Doi, then you get the, the scenario that could have happened last year in Hakata there because you look at the rest of the tournament is there's just not as much of an opportunity for that but at the same time you get an opportunity for the rookies to go out there and be like all right you get one match and you're gonna get and you get 15 minutes and go out there and just completely show why they've been this highly touted to this point you know it's just it's a different style of the tournament and i think i like this more than the block format to be honest i uh, you you could tell me just about anybody could win this tournament right now. I mean, Kamei's not winning. I'm looking at the guys who are left. Kamei's not winning. Strong Yuki. Machine's not winning. UT's not winning. Yo- Yoshida's not winning. <sighs> is 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 there? I mean, it's after that. It's like you can ben. make the argument. You know, Ben Ben's not winning. I've got some. I've got some bad news for Ben K fans coming up in just a little bit. Um, but you could tell me. You know, Jason, I, I'm i not there with Kakuta, but man, you you could, I mean, you look at the guys that's left, I was like, okay, maybe maybe Kakuta. I, do, I don't think that's the case, but I'm not entirely out of it either. You know? well, let me lay what Kakuta's path to glory would be if he would go on the Royal Road for you. Please. SB Kento, either Hulk or Doi, either Benke or Jason, and then likely looking at the bracket either Susumu or Kondo. And that gets him into the finals. Do you think he can't go on that run at this point, seeing what we've seen over the last week? It's not impossible. I think, God, I you know, I, I was thinking about this after the Kobe show with Ben and Jason, because I think everybody expects Jason to, to do really well in this tournament. 
But now you go like, oh, does he just eat a spear in 1430? Like, is that is that the result here? Because if if J- if Jason loses in the first round, fandom aside, just from trying to understand the the structure of this company and what they're going to do in July when they have to run Kobe World Hall twice, if Jason loses in the first round, I am going to pull my hair out because at that point I will have zero clue what's happening. Then we know the Hong Kong trio is real and is getting a triangle run. I mean, like you, the, I'm, I'm, hey, I've got praise hey, for Hoho hey. I am pumped about that Hong Kong trio. Yeah, yeah. Let's get into the shows then, unless you had any other big thoughts before we get into them. No, let's do it. That's I, I, this was a, a very messy way of opening it up. Hopefully, everybody <laughs> followed that because I just I opened up the bracket and I was like, oh my god, this is actually weirder than I thought it was. This is insane to think the the first round matches that have have taken place so far and what is to come. This is mind blowing. So should we say what the bracket was before we get into the shows, and then we'll say what the situation is coming out of it, just to make things clearer on the listener here doing some on-air production? Yeah, please. Yeah, walk us through it. All right. So outside of Kobe, uh, we had, through Kobe, there are 10 matches in the first round. The matches that happened before this were the 513 Tokyo Cork and Hall shows with the SB Kento versus Madoka Kuda match with Kakuda 1, with the uh, Ata versus Shun Skywalker match that Shun Skywalker won, Kondo over Kai, and then Yoshioka over Yamato. So each quadrant had a match going into this. But then we had two shows that we're talking about today. We, we have 514 for, from Tijimi and Gifu, a homecoming show for some people in the roster, and the Kobe Sumo Hall show that we've, uh, w- we've kind of talked around so far. So from... 514, there is a YouTube digest that went up with both of the King of Gate matches, and then they had a Zebrats versus, was it High End? Man, I, I did not watch this match. I did see that this was, because uh, it's Gifu, I think that's Shun's hometown as well, I want to say. So... Yes, it was High End versus Zebrats, Ben K, Dran Kid, and Yamato over Kai, SB Kento, and Shun. I okay, also so, did so not watch that match. Shun is from Gifu, so yes. that's why that's why it was. But we had two uh, tournament matches in the upper right region, if you're looking at the graphic, UT versus Kakatora. And then from the lower right bracket, we have Keisuke Akuda versus uh, Problem Dragon. The first one was UT versus Kakatora. UT won with a passion advancing onwards ut will face yuki yoshioka in the second round to be decided i love this i really really loved this just in the way that it was everything that i was hoping it was going to be it was short it was compact it was as alan forrell astutely put in the voices of wrestling discord this was a summer adventure uh, technique league type match. It was tricked out grappling. If you're into this style of Dragon Gate, like UT versus Shisa from a few years ago, really, if you like Super Shisa or UT, I would recommend UT versus Kagatora because that's it's a very good mix of grappling and, and the names that you would like here. Yeah, it, it was something that uh, Kagatora, of course, is rooted and based in the same style that UT comes across. I mean, w- between being like a bridge guy between T2P and Toribon Mexico or Toribon X, he would have had some Yave background and, of course, working throughout that. So I felt like that they meshed very well here. And I thought it just was really kind of cool. Like now we're several years into uh, UT in this role. And, he, and you would think that he's been doing this his entire career. You would think that this guy did not have the trouble 
first five years of his career that he just came out of the gates as like this crazy tricked out lucha grappler but it's something where ut constantly was like doing like roll throughs and just like getting like but just like finding ways to get every advantage there and kakatora had like the nasty knee breaker part way through this match that you know it, it, it's something that like this match was a match two from gifu crowd was not super into it but yeah at least for me i was able to lose myself for like the eight minutes and get into and watching them trade holds in a way that i thought was completely satisfactory oh god yeah i mean i was on the fence you know this match could have gone either way and i'm i'm glad just as someone that is so into what ut is doing and now the fact that we're going to get this Yoshioka versus UT match, which, you know, we covered, Mike, a few months ago. You can go back to the January, the month of January. I don't know why, I don't know what where I was going with that sentence, but you can go back to January on the podcast feed when Mike and I did a rewind and rewatch of the rookie ranking tournament from 2019. And we covered that version of UT versus Yoshioka. We talked about what a 2022 match might look like. And now we're going to get that. And that could be one of the highlights of the tournament with the way Yoshioka's wrestling right now with the way UT, who I will reemphasize a man that for the first five years of his career, I had no time for wasn't a fan. Didn't get him injury prone. No, thank you. He is the one positive of tri Vanguard. Tri Vanguard saved his career. He did great work there. Oftentimes alongside Kagatora. And once he adopted that Yave background, boy, oh boy, has he become one of my favorite wrestlers to watch. This has to be, I mean, you know, Jay can correct me as the Kines super fan. This has to be the only time that Hikari Noah has been tried within the first 30 seconds of a match. Like that started the match, which is an insane thing to think. But it I, once that happened, I was I was absolutely locked in. Yeah, I can't remember time even like Kines at his peak just popping that just to get out of a match to start, like that. To start the match it was yeah, such an interesting yeah. way to do it i mean it, it was it was great it, ut's offense I, he's one of those guys i really encourage people especially actually if you've been watching dragon gate for a long time if you're if you know these names if you know these moves if you understand the basic structure of what a dragon gate match looks like and you are not watching the youtube uploads I cannot recommend them enough. Like I said a few weeks ago, as somebody who has been watching for a, a, too long of a time now, for a very long time, the YouTube uploads are the most exciting thing that has happened for me and Drangate in years because we're just getting stuff that otherwise we wouldn't have gotten. But also, it's the the uh, hand cam on the floor. And so watching UT's offense from that perspective, both in this match, especially in this match, but just all the times that he pops up on YouTube, you're reminded, oh, this guy is so crisp. This is one of those guys who, you know, he's undersized. He does some high flying. He does some some grappling. You could file him under, uh, you know, your very basic Japanese junior heavyweight, even though I think he is more than that. I think the onlooker would go, yeah, UT, you know, Japanese junior heavyweight. I know the style. This is one of those guys that if he popped up in America on insert indie show here, I think people will be blown away at the speed and precision in which he works. And this match specifically was a really good reminder that when he's given the chance, he's one of the better wrestlers on earth, I think. Yeah, like if you're talking about wrestling a particular style and facet of it, it's very hard for me. Like, 
with how the like i know a lot of people are like oh the observer awards have changed so much over the years of the the readership days parrot dave to me like the uh one of the things that like tells me that the the readership has changed and i don't have a positive or negative feeling about that is the tentacle award who always gets it and i think zach's a great wrestler don't get me very wrong don't get me long but i think and this is going to be my statement that we think it's people mad at me I think that UT would have had a much better match of Negro Navarro than Zack <laughs> Sabre Jr. did. And that, the- is the, that is the true test of a wrestler. Yeah, not, yeah, yeah. Not, yeah. Not Wrestle if Navarro. A, yeah. If, no, look, if you have a good match with Negro Navarro, oh, you might be the second coming of Jesus Christ. But if you can have a better match, a baseline better match than Zack Sabre Jr. versus Negro Navarro, if you, can, if you can do better than that, you have my utmost respect because that match no matter what the internet tries to tell you, was dreadful. What'd you have on this one, Case? <laughs> I went three and a quarter. I thought it was a yeah. a, a, a perfectly compact eight-minute match, super entertaining. I think you should go out of your way to watch this just because it was fun. It was fun pro wrestling at a time where I feel like the Japanese scene, this is going to get a big picture with UT versus Kakatora, oddly. I was thinking today about just... The Japanese wrestling scene is not fun right now. Forget the Ibushi stuff. Like, I'm talking just in-ring. Japan is not fun. And I was thinking about, you know, the bubble we exist in, the internet, and the way that, you know, five or six years ago, people were demanding links to Guts World shows and watching K-Dojo single camps and whatever Nico Nico had, they would watch. And that has just gone away. And this is an odd point to relate to this UT versus Kakatora match. But if you give me just a second, I think I can make this come full circle. But I'm really turned off by most of the Japanese scene, not because there's not great matches, you know, high-end Noah stuff, Miyohara, all Japan stuff. Obviously, New Japan is going to peak higher than almost anything on on Earth. I'm still, you know, throwing four and three quarters, four and a half stars at at a lot of these big shows, a lot of these big matches. But there's nothing fun in Japan right now. Like, other than the Dragon Gate stuff that I obviously love, but I'm going to watch that no matter what. I don't have guys on undercards that are doing fun stuff. There's no tag teams that I really love. And this UT versus Kagatora match was just a fun match at a time where I think the Japanese scene really needs fun. So I would recommend going out of your way to watch this if you haven't seen it already. Yeah, I was three and a half, so I was a slightly higher, but I think that me only being a quarter star higher on a UT match, because I've realized, Case, you have a pretty good standard. You keep your ratings very level. I am someone... I'm... I'm hot-blooded. If UT or Akira Tozawa shows up, I get more interested in a match. So the fact that I'm only a quarter star above you on this probably tells you that it's a fun match. I, I'd like to think I'm a, a very fair star rater. I I always have the policy of if, if it's above four and a half stars, if I give something four and a half plus, you need to go out of your way to watch it. Four and three quarters and then, you know, the rare five-star match, that is, that is top-of-the-line stuff. But I, I'd like to think, I know... Uh, every once in a while, I am mocked for my Drangate star ratings because I'll give like an eight-man tag four stars and people will go, well, that was a two and three-quarter star match. But I'd like to think that for the most part, I'm pretty fair. 
Hey, I thought you were here. Now, Case, now here's a real test on it of your fairness. The semi-main event of the Ugh. show on Gifu Ugh. and also up on YouTube is this was actually in the upper left-hand bracket. This was uh, Problem Dragon, the Gifu native, versus Keisuke Akuda. Keisuke Akuda got him with a Dojima sleeper. And yeah, yeah, it's a hometown match, Case. Good for him. Look, Problem Dragon was not the problem. No, in he this was match. not. No, him Problem Dragon out, went for it. That tornado. The, the, the tornado. Sorry to cut you off, but the tornado, the MMA gloves, I'm all for it. Akuda just did not work with me in this match. Oh, we just talked about this on Friday, and I don't want to like beat the dead horse, but Okuda, yeah, man, you, you, you're in a Lucha Rasu company. Yeah, man, you've been here for three years. I talked to somebody at the Kobe show. They were in the building the next night in Sambo Hall, and they noted to me that during intermission, you know, there's an, an autograph signing, and Binsuke were the the two guys signing autographs, Binke and Kaisuke Akuda, and he noted that there were only about four or five people that interacted with Binsuke, whereas Natural Vibes would have pulled in five or six times that. So it's not looking great for them right now. I'm just... I don't want to take a victory lap on being right here, Case, but the, the, that's vindicating for us, you know? I... The, yeah, the Akuda thing's really frustrating because this is the type of match where you just want to go away. You want to come away from it going like, man, Akuda was fun. Akuda showed me something I've never seen before. And I don't know what that is. If I'm sitting down with him and agenting this match, I don't know if I have a specific idea of what needs to change. But we've seen the Akuda formula and it's and it works when he wrestles either Ashida or Yokosuka. I'm sorry, Ashida or Susumu Mochizuki, my bad. It's going to be awesome. We are going to love it. But in this company, he needs to do more. And I don't know what that more is, but I know that the current state of him is just not working. And it's something where we've been... Another great thing about these YouTube uh, matches and uploads, and they kind of started it last year with the director's commentary on the network, is you get to see these hometown shows which is such a crucial facet of Dragon Gate that you don't necessarily see in a lot of other promotions. Yeah, if you're an Osaka native, you're going to get a wrestle in your hometown, but if you're someone from Awate, who's to say if you're ever going to wrestle in your hometown there? So this is like a big deal. And this is the performance that Akuda puts on there. And I'll say this, like watching like all like the hometown shows that I've had the chance to watch, it's really only something that has come along in the last six or seven years. To have hometown shows, either even on as affinity episodes, but this was the quietest hometown, and we've had hometowns in COVID. Like this was, you would not know that this was Problem Dragon's hometown because how dead the crowd was for their hometown side that Gifu traditionally has gone crazy for. And I think that 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 you lay that at the feet of one person at this point, Kiss. It's it's tough. Um. Certainly the SB Kento versus Problem Dragon Bravegate match felt hotter because it's SB Kento and he's a superstar. I have a tough it, it's tough for me with these two pieces of Akuda and Problem Dragon. It's a little tough for me to put to rally behind your statement to put that much weight on it, but I also don't think you're wrong. It's just a bad it's it was a bad mix of a lot of different things here. 
Yeah, and it didn't really come off as a fun match, really. Like, if you want to see Problem Dragon, go for it. Like, the tornado he does is insane. Like, for a guy who has had the health issues he's had to pull this off, it was kind of astounding to watch. But, I mean, this was a 11-minute semi-main event. The crowd was just out on when someone was there. And everything was, like, proficiently done. Two and a half stars, I guess. I was at I was at two and three quarters, and it was a quarter star bump because of the tornado to the floor. It's just it the, in the same way that UT versus Kagatora was fun in the way that you need to go out of your way to watch it. This was just dull. This was upsetting. There was something about it that I just did not vibe with. Yeah, yeah, and that's what we had from Gifu. That's up on YouTube. It will be up. You know, on YouTube. Uh, uh, <laughs> well said. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I don't think they're going to take stuff down there. I was about to say up on YouTube indefinitely. No, if they if that. they take stuff down off of YouTube, I'm going to lose my mind because, of course, somebody said something in the Voice of Wrestling Discord earlier this week. I wanted to reference a match that happened in Kobe Sambo Hall in 2020, and I log on to the Dragon Gate Network. I go to 2020. In the hobby. It's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We hype ourselves up thinking, ah, maybe I can pull a Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card. But with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view of all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now, when I buy slab packs at Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. I was able to open an Arena Club slab pack, and, and I'll be honest, it was a lot better than what you normally do. Say you go to a card show, and there's a random innocuous brown bag of cards, and yeah, you can open it, and look, it's going to be junk. You're, you, you know what I mean? Like You know what you're probably going to get in those. Maybe you find that fun. And sometimes I do. Sometimes I like just opening up cards and saying, oh, hey, look at some random cards or whatever. But if you're really in this game to to find value and find particular cards, it sucks to have to buy these mystery packs. And it ends up being, you know, almost nothing. You know, nothing of value. Not with Arena Club. You can display, again, of all available cards, hit rates, grading. So you know that when you're opening up the slab pack, you are going to get something valuable. You are getting something good. And Arena Club, in addition to having those great slab packs we just talked about, is also a marketplace for card collecting, buying, trading, selling, displaying, all that sort of stuff. But those Arena Club slab packs, man, they are revolutionizing the repack game with transparency. After your polls are revealed, they'll immediately be placed in your vault for safekeeping or trading and selling. And you can have them officially graded by Arena Club as well. So again, setting these things off, it's going to be officially graded by Arena Club. And the Arena Club grading process is accurate, fast, and transparent with full grade rationale provided and explanation of how your card was scored. So whether you're buying, selling, trading, or displaying, Arena Club is the card collecting platform that you have to check out. So right now, I've got a special offer here for Voices of Wrestling Network listeners. You can get 10% off of your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Now, that's a crazy offer. That's 10% off a $400 slab pack. $40 off right there. 10% off your first purchase. No matter what that purchase is, 10% off. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net for 10% off your first purchase on Arena Club. 
and we thank them for sponsoring the Voice of the Wrestling Podcast Network. And that show is just gone. And that foot, we'll, we'll never see that again. I don't know where that footage goes. I don't know why it's not there. I don't know why Kobe Sabo Hall shows aren't archived. I'm just now learning this because, you know, quite frankly, it's not like we need to go back and watch a lot of Kobe shows after they happen. But I just, I don't understand what the network is and the purpose it serves sometimes. Why Why is a Kobe Sambo, why is something that aired live on your network no longer available, but I also don't have a place to watch it? Because that sort of stuff, it being 2020, and it was I was trying to find a rookies versus veterans tag, losing those early class of 2020 matches, that really bothers me. Just from a historical perspective, that really bothers me. And I don't, I don't know. I don't understand. I don't understand why it's not there. So if they ever start deleting stuff off YouTube, which I don't anticipate, but if they do, heads are going to roll. They're going to roll. They are going to roll. All right, let's talk about Kobe <laughs> Samba Hall. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so this was on the network on the 15th. It'll be up on the network until the 22nd as always every match on every opener of a live stream show the first match is up on youtube and that's where we'll start things off here for luck barrison presents 2022 king of gate to decide dragon gates number one championship first round matchup this was one that we talked a, a bunch about up front this was uh uh, T- uh takuma fujiwara versus ishanahashi going 15 minutes time limit draw what what can I say? Ishinihashi, welcome to the spreadsheet. Your first four-star singles match. Takuma Fujiwara, not only another great match, but importantly, a great match that we haven't seen him have yet. You know, we saw him go pretty neck and neck with Kamei, but that was that was lighthearted. That was that was a match that just kept going and going and going, and eventually they hit their finish point. The Dragon Dia match he was working from underneath. A lot of these matches have been built off of him getting hope spots in sort of this miracle run that he's on. This was him with a bit of an edge on Ishan and Ishan having to work up to his level. And it was grueling and it was dramatic and it was hard fought and it was 15 minutes that felt like 25 or 30, not in the way that it dragged, but in the weight that it had to it. And for Fujiwara, again, it's astounding for somebody of his of his stature and his experience level to have great matches in the first place. But for me to look at my spreadsheet this year and to see Takuma Fujiwara now with seven matches at four stars or higher, three of which, I'm sorry, four of which are singles matches, and to think that all of those matches have been different, he's showcased a different side of him in every one of those, I'm flabbergasted. I mean, this is this is somebody who I'm really going to have to sit down at the end of the year, type away at my little keyboard on VoicesOfWrestling.com and make sure that people are not voting for Braun Breaker for Rookie of the Year. Hook, I he's going to lose to Hook. I can accept that. I can't accept Braun Breaker getting more votes than this guy. Yeah, no, I've, I, I'm resigned about Hook. You know, like, that. that that's, that's what it's going to be. Like, that's the world we live in. But... It's just something that case I'm having, you're talking about like typing out like a very impassioned call to arms about true talent development and a wrestling prodigy here. Are we certain that rookie of the year is enough? Like 
I you listed the amount of four star matches he's had as singles matches here. Saying that we stay on this trajectory, that everything continues on the same path here. Case, do you think in December we could be having a serious conversation about uh, Takuma Fujiwara as the most outstanding wrestler in his rookie year in Dragon Gate? You had the guts to say what I did not have the guts to say. I'm not there yet. I'm not there yet, but we are five months into this year, and Fujiwara has just as many four-star matches as I think anybody else on my spreadsheet Think about I, think about what you've enjoyed most in wrestling this year, and think about how often Takuma Fujiwara has been the cause of your enjoyment. And it's something that, like, you're absolutely right. We're seeing this different this different edge here. He looked comfortable in control. He was smooth as silk. Like he constantly was doing those leg picks, rolling through to crabs in this match. Like he was just just out there going, like, all right, we're just gonna go have 15 minutes. You wouldn't think this guy kid was 20 years old. You wouldn't think it, Case. And Ishin, like like you, you you threw some roses at Ishin. This is the Ishin Ahashi that when you said, I think I'm a Riki guy, and I said, I think I'm an Ishin guy, this is the Ishin that I was thinking about. Kind of has the energy of a Shigeru Irie in a way, a bull in China shop. But like he has like the, this flow to him that's it's kind of majestic watching Ishin Ahashi do his top rope drop kick in a way, just like the way that he kind of flows through it. It just was really special. And yeah, I'm with you on this. This was spreadsheet. This was four stars for me. It was nice to see what should have been natural chemistry turn out to be natural chemistry, where Takuma Fujiwara is going to run really fast and Ishinihashi is going to knock him over. And that was a good chunk of this match, you know, and then they get into this chop battle that was so vicious and so entertaining to watch. And then the last half of this match is these guys doing everything they can to pin each other in a way where it harkens back to, you know, some Dragon Gate future matches that they would have, Uh, you know, really bare bones, really rudimentary, rooted in flash pins, rooting in doing anything they can to beat their opponent it just so happens that now they're doing brain busters and top rope drop kicks and stuff like that. It, this was a really satisfying watch. I think hopefully going forward, now that both of these guys are out of King of Gate, as we head into June, I really hope we start seeing these guys get some wins because I think this is the perfect close to that first chapter of, you know, in the case of September for Isha and the case of November for Fujiwara. This is the first chunk of their career. We've now seen what they can do at the lowest rung of the totem pole, what happens when they start to climb the ladder? Because both of these guys are talented enough to where they should be winning matches from here on out. Yeah, and I think that it's something that I feel like that we're going to be clamoring for, and at the moment that we don't expect, we're going to finally get uh, the Hashi first one, the uh, Fujiwara first one against a non-rookie, and it's just going to be... I mean, Catharsis, I mean, we might get Voices Okay audience for this case at this point. Look, I'm more than happy about that. At any time, fans want to start cheering, by all means, go for it. And one of the interesting things that we're going to see, you know, it's been so long since Japan has been able to make noise. You have to remember, 95% of SB Kento's career has been wrestling in front of clap crowds. 100% of Kakuta and Fujiwara and Ishin and Fuda and uh and in Ricky Hashi 
these guys have only wrestled in front of clap crowds. And the more these crowds are able to make noise, the more curious I am to see who's getting crowd calls. Does Kaito Ishida still, you know, have this weirdly over position with these live crowds in a way that oh, it's sometimes not weirdly I, over. They think he's hot, man. Come on. <laughs> and I don't blame them. Uh, there's just, there's going to be a lot to learn assuming crowds can make noise let's say you know best case scenario i think by july and that's absolute best case scenario knock on wood let's hope that happens we're going to learn a lot about these last two and a half years and what worked and what didn't yeah it's going to be really fascinating uh second match on the show was also in the king of gate i i i'm dropping the uh the lek barison thing as we're going through shows just so i don't get tongue-tied <laughs> Uh, this was I had the bracket up a second ago. This was Australia versus Strong Machine J. This was a lower right a bracket match. It was Strong Machine J winning with the machine suplex over La Australia, and and he will face Shun Skywalker in the second round, and that is a spicy little matchup. But SMJ versus Australia case. Uh, I thought SMJ is continuing looking good here. What were your thoughts on La Australia? I think that La Australia made this feel like a 2019 Sambo Hall match. <laughs> no, that's too mean. That's completely unacceptable to say about somebody. <laughs> it, there was zero, like, not even applause for the Yoshitanic attempt. Zero thing about that. And, it, and this was the first time someone doing the move since Jisa left. Like, the audience was not into this match at all. You are not an Australia guy. You have made that clear before, but he is not your guy on this roster. I mean, look, there's an expectation on the roster case. And can you say that La Australia, out of people on the roster, is the person that reaches that expectation the least? Of the young crop of wrestlers, yes. He is the one that has failed the most in big spots. I, I, you, look, you there, look, there's, look, look, look at the look at the dissolution of, of Masquerade and look at how it's been a story with Kota and with Shun and with Jason and with um, Daya and Australia has done undercard matches. I mean, it, that that's it right there. But I thought he was totally fine here. I really like this match. OK, sell me on this match then. It was a good match. It was two guys that I, I thought had good chemistry with one another. I, look, I I have bought so much Strong Machine J stock. I talked myself last week into him pinning Shun Skywalker. At least I believe I did. Maybe I dreamt that. I hope I'm not dreaming about King of Gate predictions. I hope I said that on the podcast. Um, I thought they had good chemistry. I thought it was a nice little solid three-star match. It was fun. I, I went three flat, but it wasn't a positive three flat. That's, this was oh, okay, that's, that's very interesting. I, to me, this was a very positive three flat I loved uh, Estrella going for the back handspring and Strong Machine J hitting hitting him with the wheel kick in the back. I, I liked this whole match. I never thought it dragged. I was entertained the entire time. Never hit a high point for me, but never had a low. That's fair. I just, I've been really, like, you've talked me into Strong Machine J and I wanted him to just throw around this geek. Dude, and... I, am, I am so excited for Strong Machine J versus Shun, which even oh. six months ago, I could not imagine saying that, but I am so excited for that match. Strong Machine J, he's filling out, too. Like, his shoulder, like, getting his shoulder fixed, like, he's put on some muscle, like, some significant muscle over the last few months. You know, I mentioned last week on the show that it seems like 
Strong Machine J has a lot of locker room allies that people like this kid. They're rooting for him. They want to see him be a success. And one of the things that was noted to me by the, the person who was in attendance at the show that I talked to who, who gave me the little factoid about Bensuke was Strong Machine J, when he's put in positions to interact with fans, he always takes his time. He talks to them. He's super respectful. He's super down to earth. And that resonates with people. I think this is another guy that if he, if they can just find lightning in a bottle with him, if they can strike at the right time with him as a singles guy, and I don't think it's now, I don't think he's there just yet. But, you know, I mean, I said six months ago, I don't know if there's a future in Dragon Gate for him. And now I'm thinking, God, two or three years down the line, if they just, if he just keeps the steady pace of improvement, they might have a guy here in a way that, you know, with Yoshioka and with SB Kento and with Kakuta, it's been, you know, we've seen from match one, okay, that's going to be somebody. Strong Machine J is playing the long game, and it, that's exciting for me because it, Dragon Gate has this, you know, insane history of debuting guys that are already good. It took it took a long time with Strong Machine J, but I think he's getting there. This is the most I've enjoyed him in his entire career, and I'm super bullish on his future. It It's something like it, that, that's fascinating about him and and the crowd, because it, if you follow the Dragon Gate Japanese Twitter, this stuff doesn't get tweeted over on the international account for obvious reasons. Uh, they constantly have like SMJ at like media opera at media events. Like they like it, it's clear that this is someone that in, it might not just be in the back. He's just someone that they know they it has like a charisma to him. Like when they did the uh, what was it the the first open the beautiful gate like like he was cracking everyone up there like he has something there i guess it's momentum for him and it's i mean the fact that i mean yeah he's second generation star but his dad's gimmick does not play well to the strengths that you need in a dragon gate roster (laughs) (laughs) like you gotta find a way you know maybe have some eye holes in that mask open it up a little bit maybe make it open mouth you know in the same way, I'll pat myself on the back while also insulting myself. In the same way that I was right about SP Kento and about Dragon Daya, and to some degree right about Fujiwara, I'm very much okay with being wrong about Strong Machine J. I hope he continues to prove me wrong. I'm really, I just, I like watching him wrestle right now. Doesn't he wrestle with a confidence that he just hasn't had in forever? The same kind of confidence that I wish Estrella would wrestle with. I think he would project much better if Estrella was approaching the ring like Strong Machine J is right now? Yeah, and it's something that Estrella is someone that I really would love for Estrella to turn it around. But, like, it, it, it's not when I'm, like, negative towards, like, this and, like, point out things, it's not that I'm, like, saying it's out of malice. Just no, to be you don't, clear. No, you don't hate the guy. You don't know the guy. No. You, you're, it's a professional opinion. Yeah, no, I mean, that's what it boils down to with it. And it's nice to see Strong Machine J prove at least me wrong when I was thinking like, I don't know about the the future of this guy now he's got it. And it's one of the more exciting ones and him versus Shun, you know, that that's just like looking at what we have right now. That probably is my other than Kamei. I'm a Kamei guy other than Kamei and Kondo. That's my most anticipated second round match so far, by far. I'm I'm with you. I would maybe give a slight nod to UT versus Yoshioka just because that has, to me, that has real match of the tournament potential, sure. but uh, you know, that Strong Machine J versus Shun, when we get a date and, and time on that, boy, oh boy, am I going to circle my calendar with a special note for that match. 
Well, okay, she's talked about Ben Skay and Kobe earlier. Let's talk about them in the ring. Uh, ben K and Keisuke Akuda high end versus Ata and Problem Dragon. And what I feel like is, oh, who's available this week and at the show today special here? It was the Spear on Dragon. Bensuke looked, I thought, pretty decent in this, but who knows at this point? Like, I thought they were okay. It was a nice little, nice little match. It was, yeah, uh, you it was, know, it was fine. It, I, I, Problem Dragon did the twisting plancha again two two nights in a row. That was awesome. That was yeah. really awesome. If Problem Dragon is going to do that twisting plancha where he just launches himself, like, that this isn't, like, a graceful twist the way that Phoenix, when he does the course screw in the tornado, you're just like, this is a guy who is in total control of all, all all facets of his body and his physical motion right now. You don't get that with Problem Dragon whatsoever. He 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 sends it in praise, and it's great. That's a that's a very good way of of point uh, of describing that move. He sends it in praise, and luckily he did it very well twice this weekend. But boy, that could change the next time he does it. <laughs> yeah, boy, how do it really could up. Uh, the third uh, King Gate match of the show was uh, Jackie Funky Kame and Yosuke San Maria out of the upper left-hand quadrant. This was Jackie Kame winning with the Jackie Knife in nine minutes. Uh, this was a match that we both kind of like. Uh, but before I give my thoughts, Case, what's your thoughts about this? I, I have some stuff I want to say, but I want to get your thoughts first. Okay, I'm nervous now because I loved it, and I thought this was a match that was going to be right up your alley. But you, you know, I I know your voice well, Mike. I listen to it every week. You sound a little apprehensive. Did this match not connect with you the way it did for me? It connected, but I watched the match and I was like, oh, the, this is a match of two people that there's a lot more similar about like their what they bring to a Dragon Gate ring than different between Kamei and Yosuke. And having the, basically your mirrored opposite in a match like this does not play well to their strengths, in a way. That all being said, I thought this was a whole lot of fun. I went three and a quarter on it. But I just was one of those things when I realized this, I was like, oh, Maria's best when she has someone that she could play underdog to, and that's what Kamei's really been hitting on over the last few years. And we didn't have that here. We just had a very solid babyface versus babyface match. I agree with you that Maria does her best work from from an underdog point of view, as does Kamei. I thought she was good in this role, though. I went three and a half on this. Again, not far off from you, but I think in the same way that we went three and had drastically different feelings on Strong Machine versus Estrella, I think my three and a half holds a little bit more weight than your three and a quarter does, not to get super dorky about star ratings, but this was one that hit just right for me, filed away under the Summer Adventure Technique League stuff. I think this would fit on that DVD compilation quite nicely. Uh, you know, Maria is a super skilled grappler. Uh, I don't know who was running day-to-day stuff in the dojo right now. I believe Casey is largely running point on that. Don't take that as fact. That is speculation based on what i've heard but maria has had her hands in a lot of training over the past few years she's extremely skilled and i thought this was it was a nice opportunity to see maria uh stay away from comedy a little bit obviously not not the most serious match of all time this wasn't black tights new japan of the 80s but you know maria had her game face on she got to bust out some moves that we don't see a lot from her and for kamei we talk about astraya disappointing at times Kamei has had these wild ups and downs over the last year as a member of Natural Vibes, and it was really important for him here to wrestle a clean, silky smooth match, which he did. 
Obviously, he's got Kondo next. That match will look nothing like this one did. But on an individual level, I thought this was a win for both guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I guess it was the expectations for me. I was like thinking that this, my floor, my mind was like, oh, three and a half floor. This could be right in my wheelhouse here and just was a very good match. Uh, Maria doing the flashing elbow and then doing a, a, a flop bump after all the chops was really good. Oh, it's fantastic. I, that was... Uh, it's something I've never seen her do before, but it also felt like vintage Yosuke Santa Maria, if that makes sense. That is something that I think she should do more often. Absolutely. Uh, then we got into a 10-man tag team match. We have the Mochizukis, Masaki Mochizuki and Susumu Mochizuki, Takashi Yoshida, Yuki Yoshioka as the guy that needed to pull in. You know, you have your normal like starting five, you know? And sometimes someone's not there and you got to pick up someone. So that's Yuki Yoshioka here, along with Ho Loon versus Zebrats, Kai, BB Hulk, SB Kento, Diamante, and Shun Skywalker in the upset of a lifetime. Do you, Do you believe in miracles? Do you believe in miracles? I'm trying to think of other famous catchphrases, but the fall of this match was ho ho lateral pressing sb kento for the win after everyone murdered sb kento the absolute boy gets the win over the supernova and on top of that he finally gets his greatly deserved apology after the match as zebras was trying to beat down everyone and jason was out with jackie jason apologized jackie did the did the insane running arm drag that you've probably seen on twitter right now and then they they decided Jackie, Jason, and Ho Ho to team together as a Hong Kong team because you have two native Hong Kongers and Jackie, who people say looks Hong like he's from Hong Kong, which confused Casey greatly because he was like, "We're not Ho Ho is not joining," and they're like, "No, no, we're teaming, no, but he's not joining, right?" It's like, "Yeah, no, we're the Hong Kong team," and you know, it just was a good time. This was a fun segment. You know, we talk a lot about these, what we've dubbed kind of rec league matches and how they're always a baseline level of fun. And this was no different. This wasn't a super great match, but to have Ho-Ho involved to such a degree, to see Ho-Ho rise to the occasion and to have this just be a satisfying match, just for this to be fun. This was a fun match. And you referenced, you know, uh, 2019 Kobe Sambo Hall shows a little bit ago and for those that don't know for for those that you know might be newer to dragon gate there was a point in time 2017 2018 2019 where these kobe shows sucked there was just no life to them there was nothing to look forward to there were no angles it was just like oh god i gotta sit through this kobe show we weren't even recording weekly at the time you know there's not really audio of us talking about those kobe shows but just as a fan to sit down and watch them, it just sucked. And it was because they didn't have matches like this 10-man tag that just breathed life into an already fun show. Ho-Ho pinning SB Kento will go down in history. That is something five years from now we're going to look back on and go, oh my god, I remember that. That was super, super fun. This entire thing from the match to the, the post-match angle with the new Hong Kong trio, a giant win in my books. I would recommend, you know, I'll say, now i would recommend watching all of the camp gate matches on this show i would also recommend watching this 10-man tag yeah like this is a i i, I feel like i should stop star rating rec league matches this was like a two and three core stars match but what kind of enjoyment case did i get out of this segment 
Well, we're talking segment of the year calendar for me. You, you, I, know what it, you know what it was? Sorry to cut you off, but it was a really fun touring match. I'm almost surprised it happened in Kobe because this had the best version of like an ECW fan cam match kind of vibe to it. Oh, just the like the way that like Yoshida is like great in like these kind of roles where he's just going nuts on the apron trying to get the hot tag and then Ho Ho tags in or like Yuki Yoshioka just goes, hell yeah, we're tagging right in. And you just go like, hell yeah, Cyber's in, Cyber Cog's in. And that's something I would not be saying three years. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I'm not sure I would have been saying that six months ago, but here we are. <laughs> right. Yeah. So it just was an absolute blast of a time. And Speaking of blast, it just rolled right into our next matchup here. We had high end. Uh, it's worth noting that this high end trio, it is Doi, Ishida, and Minorita. Uh, Kota Minora suffered a light neck sprain, I think it is. Like, he hurt his neck during training. They do not anticipate him being out for Hokkaido. So it was Minorita in versus the, all right, this is really all who we have left on the show. We need to get him to a tag team. Shuji Kondo, Madoka Kakuda, and Punch Tomonaga. And Minorita got the win with his headlock takeover on Punch Tomonaga. And then we got to listen to a speeded up form of Kota Minors. I did not think this was a great match, but I love what this match represented with Minorita getting the pin. This is the sort of stuff that if you don't watch it, it's no big deal. But I think the people that sit through these shows and watch every match, Minorita is going to get some giant pinfalls on his career and beating guys like punch and six man tags, seeing that win, seeing the the foundation of what is going to become a giant upset, whether he pins, you know, Nozawa or Kortaro Suzuki or Ata or somebody six months down the road when, you know, gold class in another feud, it's matches like this that are going to really take that to the next level. It's why I think, you know, guys like us are going to be a quarter, if not a half star higher on some of those matches that other people will be, because this is laying the groundwork and this, you know, again, I, a lot of punch in this match. I don't, I don't need to watch this much punch way too much punch, way too much punch. Like he was, acting like he got bit by a dog before the match started, <laughs> which was and, because he got beat up earlier in the day. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, uh, but, but, but a lot of punch, but the Minorita stuff here was a giant win. I'm glad that you know i'm this will sound odd because i'm such a big coach menora fan i'm glad he was out of the way for this one i'm we let this minorita character breathe a little bit in this match and i think dragon in the long run is going to get a lot out of that i would like to see more especially doi and minorita two-on-two tags i think that would do that character a lot of good even if logically it's not all there, you know, obviously you want him to be attached to Minora for as long as possible, but logically throw that out the window. I like Doi and Minorita as a tag team. <laughs> There's an energy of a Doi and Minorita tag team that, uh, very chaotic energy of that tag team. Like you're taking the rookie Doi, one of the best tag team wrestlers of ours or any generation. But I think it's fair to say not being, not being rude. He's kind of a fucker. You're putting him with... How, how dare you? He's kind of a fucker. And you're putting him in a tag team with Manorita, who I think we could define his character as three things. He is mini Kota Minora. He runs really fast. And he likes finding the most out-shaped guy and make them run. So we're good. it's going to be something if that tag team happens. And yeah, you're absolutely right. For someone like Minorita, being able to tag team with Naruki Doi only pays off in the end. 
but the energy of that tag team case, I don't think we're prepared for just we ha- this tag team could get just really erratic or could get really weird, and I can't decide which direction it's likely to go. It's very funny to me that Gold Class on paper is kind of this cool, sexy group of guys, and it is basically a child. Basically, a child is running interference in all of their matches, and I'm still a ginormous fan of Gold Class. I think they have hit just about every step perfectly. But Minorita being around really changes the dynamic of this group, and I I don't know if this was always their intention, but he is stealing the show every time he's involved. I love this gimmick. I have not gotten tired of it yet. He can run around the ring and then hit somebody with a Hurricane Rana and bail out of the ring again for as long as as long as possible. And I think I'm always going to be entertained by it. And hey, Ishan. Takuma, guess what? Your classmate got a direct fall today. What did you do? It's successful for him. That's true. That is a very good point that, that Minorita is winning more matches than Takuma Fujiwara, which is a crazy realization to come to. Yeah. I mean, has singles wins too. Wild. Yeah. Uh, so my main event was a tag team match. This was high-end versus Natural Vibes. Yamato and Dragon Kid versus KZ and Jason Lee. Uh, KZ won with the Sky to Schoolboy in 12 minutes and 45 seconds. In a, I, I, I went three and a quarter on the, the match before this because of Menorita and Kondo, basically. This, this match I liked more, but I'm not going to remember this match at all next. So this is one of those matches. It has been a while since I've said this. As I was taking notes, I realized I've probably given this talking point enough breathing room to mention it again. If this match, move for move happens on AEW, it is the talk of wrestling for the next week. God forbid, if it happens on Raw, oh my God, it's the talk of wrestling for the next month. This match in Dragon Gate is just kind of another match. The finishing stretch of this, once these guys started going all out, that it's to me, that's the best wrestling in the world. Like these guys are four of the best doing their big moves with guys they all have great chemistry with. But it was just you know, it was just kind of a match. It's this weird, like, this is three and a quarter stars here. If this match happens in America, it's it's four and a half. Like, I don't know, I don't know why that is. I don't know what to do with that. But I always come away with matches like this. Th- just the working standard is so much higher in this company than it is anywhere else on Earth. Even in New Japan, you put this match on a Road to New Japan show, and it would be the only Road to New Japan buzz. Uh, that they would have the entire year. This is the kind of stuff that I think they would kill for to some degree. They wish those Road 2 shows had any sort of buzz. Here in Kobe, this is just a match that existed. Like, it's crazy to think, but this match was really good. But yeah, I'm not going to remember it next week. I mean, it was just you know, something that happened. Yeah, uh, just like two other takeaways from this. Uh, one, uh, Jason has decided that he wants to start biting people a whole lot. Like, that's kind of become a thing that I've noticed with this. That's very amusing. Yamato selling it by just yelling out, ow, was great. And, you know, this, it, it's something that Yamato, in a, in a series of two days, dropping a lot of falls for him here. That I thought was kind of fascinating to look at, especially considering the status of high end. Yeah, that's, very, that's a very good point, yeah. The main event on Kobe Sambo Hall was the last King of Gate match uh, for the first round. We talked a lot about this uh, at the front case. This was Hyo and Dragon Diet going to a 
double count out at 1459 and this what this is not a shoot this is not a work because they did do the calls while this was happening so f- a fantastic bout of just timing this all out right so it could come in at 1459 so with their elimination that means that the winner of Binke and Jason Lee this weekend will go straight to the quarterfinal I I said a lot of my piece on this match earlier it is a result that if you see it and you either don't remember what Hyo did last year or you just don't follow the company or whatever, you go, oh, what? Like, what are they doing? This sucks. I was so entertained and satisfied by the result of this match. Just, you know, you called Minorita a fucker a second ago. I have in my notes right when the time when the count out hit these fuckers. Like, I can't believe they did this. I can't <laughs> believe they did this again. The guts it takes a single elimination tournament to do this finish. I can't believe it. And it was a fun match. It was that heel formula. You know, he's going to brawl on the floor. He's going to avoid Daya for as long as possible. It's not like Ishin versus Fujiwara or even, you know, to some degree, Maria versus Kamei. There weren't big moves in this match. It was it was stalling. It was Hyo being Hyo, uh, you know, almost this Memphis type of wrestler. Uh, oh, in a weird way, can is there a part of Hyo? Nope, not ready to make that take. I'm going to marinate on that before we come back oh, to oh, it. Oh, were you, were, <laughs> were you about to call him the, the king of Sambo Hall? Please tell me you were. No, but I like that. Let's go with that because that is his new his. That's that that God. We can, we got to get that message to him that he he should run with being the king of Kobe Sambo Hall. <laughs> well, uh, he's already calling himself Mr. Main Event. After this, he, he, you... had, he headlined a Noah show in Yokohama the uh, the day before the show, I believe, and then headlined this show. He in in my mind as well as Mr. Main Event. Yeah, he's Mr. Main Event. Kept on saying this afterwards, like Mr. Main Event, Mr. Main Event. I was like, yeah, man, you're Mr. Main Event. I mean, I'm the original Hyo guy. I was all I was living the I was living for this. But the one thing that like I could tell that this works for Hyo is the fact that the first time that they went to the outside and they didn't go to the outside until like five minutes into the match. Like they, they played the straight. And then the first time that Hio pulled into the outside, there was there, there was actually people in the audience who you could hear a laugh going, Oh, he's pulling it again. Like the fact that the crowd immediately picked up on this is a big thing in my book. I, my, uh, the the read I get is that all of this CEO stuff connects. There's a reason he is continuously put in these big positions, not only here, but also in Noah now. I mean, he's in, in the same way that Mochizuki has really blended into that heavyweight division. Hyo is now just wrestling on Noah shows. And that doesn't happen by accident. That's not a punishment. At least it doesn't seem like it to me. That seems like, hey, this guy can talk. This guy can work. This guy has something. Let's let's show him off a little bit. Yeah, yeah, no, it's something that I don't think any of us could really have seen this coming five years ago. But, you know, I thought that this was excellently worked for what it was. I was three and a half stars on this. Then, you know, for for a finish that's supposed to be dissatisfying, like like just not satisfying at all, I was hooting and hollering when uh, when they called 20 and they said double count out. Like that that, that got me right there, okay? So I, I loved it. Yeah, I, I ended up bumping it up a quarter star. I was at three and a half, and then the finish to me, I just, you know, again, I threw my hands up. I was like, I can't. You know, these guys are unreal. And so I, I have in my notebook here three and three quarter stars, and I, I think these guys earned that. Absolutely. And that comes to a close for Kobe and King of Gate. They do have 
three shows coming up this weekend. We do have some changes being made here. Uh, running down the cards, uh, for the 20th, we have Kaido Ishida versus Sumu Mochizuki. BB Hulk versus Naruki Doi. That's a big six match happening. Uh, Jason Lee versus Ben K and Dragon Kid versus Diamante is on the 21st. And then we got to talk about the 22nd. KZ versus Kota Minora. Kota Minora will be back or should be back for this match. However, there was a Big Boss Shimizu versus Takashi Yoshida first round match that has been called off because Big Boss Shimizu injured his foot a couple weeks ago. They thought he would be back for the Hakayo trip. He will not be out. Takashi Yoshida advances on to the second round there. So we have we have five matches for King of Gate, and I'll wrap out the first wrap up the first round this weekend. Dragon Kid versus Diamante and KZ versus Minora. I am so excited for. I think these shows are going to hit. I am going to try to watch that 522 show with KZ and Minora. I'm going to try to watch that live. And if I do, I'll be tweeting from the Open uh, Open the Voice Get account at Open Voice Get on Twitter. I am really excited for these shows. I am so into King of Gate. You know, last year had its ups and downs, but since 2020, you, you and I are in agreement that this promotion has been doing a lot of things right. This I, There's something about King of Gate. Maybe it's just you know having that Corkin show back, being able to run a May Corkin. Something about it right now, I am just locked in. Whereas most of wrestling, I am so turned off by right now. I'm not into AEW's Road to Double or Nothing. I'm not into... New Japan, you know, best of Super Juniors used to be one of my favorite times of the year. I don't care about it this year. I'm going to watch some Lindemann stuff, and that's going to be it. Uh, I'm I'm not up to date on Gleets. I'm not watching Noah. I'm not watching All Japan. I'm way behind on DDT. But man, am I into King of Gate, and I want to celebrate this tournament as long as it continues to be as good as it has been. I am pumped for this weekend. KZ versus Minora. I've said the winner of that match is going to win the tournament. And in my official bracket, I have Kota Minora winning that match. It's something that, like, uh, like I co-signed what all you said before, but it's something about the, these Hokkaido weekends. They only happen twice a year. And usually, like, oh, that's three shows, and it's back to back to back. Who knows what you're really going to get out of it. But I always come out of Hokkaido week and glad I've watched all the shows. Like, I, I will be traveling this weekend, but I am going to be watching the Hokkaido shows on my plane flights because it's just one of those things that it's really kind of a special time. And I'm looking at the rest of the roster that's going to be making the trip there. A lot of the people who you expect. Uh, however, one rookie will be brought along, and that is one Takuma Fujiwara. Oh, Ishin's also there, too. They have Ishin. They don't have him on Sunday, but they have him listed for the other two nights as well. Yeah, it should be fun. I always enjoy these shows. I think despite the perhaps one could call it a dreadful look of this current Hokkaido building, they've run it three times. All of those shows have been super fun. I expect these shows to be the same. Absolutely. And we had one last bit of thing to talk about today. And we, we talked about a bit of top up, but it was announced yesterday that Shoya Sato, the uh, rookie that debuted in his hometown last November and has been out pretty much all year uh, with back injuries. He They have announced that he will be not returning. He is going to get one last hometown match on the 24th of May. So he's next week he'll get one more match and wrapping it up there. But 
worth noting. I mean, uh, it's something that I think that there usually is a narrative that goes on about Dragon Gate and injuries. I think it's pretty, I think it's overblown in a lot of ways, but I think it's something of Shoya Sato that, at least personally, and I'm not going to harp on it too hard. I don't think he should have become a professional wrestler. <laughs> like, like just, just like how like describing other that we've heard about like him being hurt, like him being the dojo forever. I'm glad he did it. Like he accomplished his goal and he really wanted to, but dude had bad back problems and is older and it just kind of stinks. I don't know if you can blame Dragon Gate for that. Maybe the screening portion of it. It's a bummer. I mean, people were really rooting for him to make his debut and I know just from fans I've talked to that had watched him as a member of the future class wrestle those ex- ex- exhibition matches, they were so excited that he was finally getting a proper debut and was a guy on the roster. And th- yeah, I, I agree with you. You know, this is not a, this is not a Drangate thing. You know, uh, Sora Fujikawa was a freak accident. Uh, Oji Shiba injury prone Katsumi Takashima similar story came in with a pre-existing injury it was exploited here to uh Takahiro Yamamura freak accident I I don't think this is a dangerous style I think this is just the reality of professional wrestling guys don't make it and Sato given his pre-existing conditions made it a hell of a lot further than most people would have I'm bummed because one I really liked him as a wrestler and I think people were really, really excited about his potential. I'm bummed also because he's one of the highest ranking judokas to ever enter the world of professional wrestling. Uh, a crazy accomplished pedigree. And in Dragon Gate of all places, I think they would have made the most of that. I think they would have exploited that in all the right ways. And I'm very bummed that we don't have a decade-long career arc with Shoya Sato. But what we saw was super fun. We'll get one more match in, uh, I believe, next week. But it's a bummer. It, it is another one of these guys to bite the dust. And again, like I said, you know, the same way Yamamura did and Takashima did and Oji Shiba did and Fujikawa did. Sato joins that list. It's an unfortunate list to be on, but it is a list nonetheless. But I, I wish him the best. He has an amazing story. Everybody that I know that has interacted with him in some way has only had super positive things to say about him. So uh, I I wish his career was longer, but I'm very happy with what we got. Yeah, it's, it's something that I think with him, it's just the miles, you know, I mean, 29, I don't think he turned 30 while he was on the roster, but I mean, he was staring down 30 and coming in with that, judo player background i mean it's a different bump card but i mean lower back lumbar injuries i mean you do a lot of falling and judo and you do that over period of time and it's going to happen and i guess like the only thing that i could really say like talking about the list and it's something that i personally wonder is with like hell uh, like to my knowledge and this is just me thinking right now case that this is not me acting with any sort of knowledge or or rumors i to my knowledge they other than getting like a doctor's note saying this person can do it they don't do like a full physical that you would see in like a wwe that probably would not have cleared shoya sato to begin with and like that's the only thing you could really i think 
really ding Dragon Gate for is something that they don't have the resources to do, you know? Yeah, I mean, they... Yeah, they weed out so many guys anyways that I, I'm sure their mindset is, okay, well, if they can make it through the initial green boy process, then they can handle themselves on the roster. But it's, you know, that's, it's those hidden injuries almost that, that would be looked at in some sort of physical way, which maybe you could say the same thing for Takashima, uh, who, yeah. you know, if, the, if, if people don't know, Katsumi Takashima was a guy who debuted at the end of 2016. He's technically in the same class as Ben and Shun and Hyo and Yoshioka, who had an eye injury. Uh, notoriously his debut match shima targeted his eye and he didn't last that long he he kept on having issues with that eye and he retired shortly after it you know would it help maybe i'd you know i i'd, i don't know for sure if they don't have that process in place but i also really i look at most of these guys that retired young as freak accidents and sato again made it much further than i think most people expected him to yeah, and this match that will be next Tuesday in Yamagata, his hometown. Luckily, with how the changes they've done with how Dragon Gate now uh, presents itself to the world now. Last year, we wouldn't get this match. Now, I think we're probably going to get to see this guy's retirement match. I think that's really cool. And it's something, you know, later on in life, you know, be able to say like, hey, I did this. And I think that that's something to be proud of. Absolutely. Well, I think that's going to do it for this week, Case, unless you've got anything else you want to hit on. I do not. All right, so that's going to do us for, for this week. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at OpenVoiceGate. I am at Fujiheya. Case is at underscore in your case. Thanks for listening to Open the Voice Gate. We'll be back with you next week talking about Hokkaido and how the second round of King of Gate is shaping up. Take care, everyone.